All right, welcome back, everybody, to the. Jeez, James, you sound very. Uh, I don't know. Where's the energy? You being quiet for some reason? What's I, that? I am being quiet. I've got a hangover. It's uh, we're opening up a little bit more, so I'm, uh, I got a little bit tipsy. Got lit, oh. <clears throat> as they call it, the children on TikTok, like yourself, Frank. Yeah, that's right. I'm, <laughs> yeah. le- I'm still learning, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> learning. <laughs> that's right. Oh, we're man. always we're students of life. I mean, Let me tell you. You don't understand the TikTok. You don't know what's going on in the real world. If there's anything that, uh, you know, going back out into the world has taught me, it's solid principles. You know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you. <laughs> the one thing that stays constant in and out of lockdown, solid principles. Solid principles. Do you think that was a we good can lean on We can segue? lean on software to give us some foundation for our lives. Am I right? Yeah. And notifications to ruin your, your podcast <laughs> audio. <laughs> Thanks, Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, I've been looking into it and then I... I into the solid SOLID. Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the jobs I applied for ages ago and I worked there for a little bit said that you have to write solid code. And at the time, I didn't know what solid code was, but I got the job anyway. And then on reflection... They weren't writing solid code, let me no. tell you. Well, the <laughs> thing is, I think some code. people actually never even have heard of the acronym, like never like learned the acronym, <laughs> like the people, like recruiters and this. So they're like, oh, like yeah. rock solid code. Like that's what they're thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's, not like, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like the Liskov substitution principle. That must be an effect, <laughs> you know. Must be. It's just yeah. those recruiters using that. Those hyped up, hyped up words. It'd be like if you, you found out, you know, Rockstar Programmer. Like, what if Rockstar was just an acronym this whole time and you've just been using it wrong? <laughs> yeah, I've been telling everyone I'm Rockstar. Imagine how ruined your life would be at that point. We should write an acronym for Rockstar Programmer and start yeah. publishing it. See really it overly cool kid still takes a... <laughs> I can't say, I don't know. You're struggling. No, we right. plan this a bit better. But anyway... Um, We're not really in the podcasting, uh, you know, (laughs) in the vein of podcasting lately. No, but... um, Fucking Australia. Yeah, I know. But I noticed, uh, was the solid um, coined by one of your friends, Uncle Bob? I don't know. I don't remember if it was coined by him. Um, I think he might have been one of the ones who uh, uh, put them together. I think the history was all these concepts were live it, like lived by themselves. They weren't new concepts, but someone wrapped them up into a nice package and gave it a, a nice new acronym, yeah. solid, and then and then it became a popular thing. Because there was a, I think that there was someone who wrote a language who actually came up with like the Liskov substitution principle. I think that's that was actually like a principle of the language that they wrote back in the small talks days. Oh my god! Wow, ah, right. Slack there does not go. know how to shut up. How do you even turn off Slack? I don't know. Still learning. That's okay, but yeah. And then, so you got single responsibility. You got open close principle. Liskov substitution. I got through the first two, and then I haven't got to Liskov. Oh. Interface segregation principle. Dependency inversion. That's one of your favorite topics. That's the only one I talk about. Yeah. But then I was trying to learn about it in a TypeScript context in the OOP. Well. Object-oriented TypeScript. Yeah, is how I was trying to learn it. Well, uh, that's that's the era that this was coined in. So this was coined probably back in the days of um, uh, the Gang of Four design patterns book. So 
that makes sense. Ah, yes. I did see some examples for procedural code and then you can do it with functional code too, can't you? Um, I think the stuff that makes uh, clean code applies to everything. Like uh, dependency inversion uh, still exists in functional programming and in object-oriented programming. It's just that the way that they do it is typically different. So functional programming went for, I think, probably my least favorite way of uh, dependency injection, which is explicit function parameter arguments. So, for example, if you need something to be able to get a connection to the database, you actually always, on every method, have to pass that through the tree. So that's something that you do in Golang a lot, is if you want, if you need, like, request-scoped data or you want to uh, invert the dependencies of function and not have global state, you essentially have to accept it as a as a, as a, a, a parameter to your function, which yeah. sucks. Mm. Um, Scala tried to fix that by adding, uh, I think it's called implicits, which is typically uh, like it's, it's a function that gets called, it's a parameter that gets added to functions without you knowing. So oh. I think is like one of my least favorite <laughs> features of any language Impl- like yep. it sounds like it'd be a great thing but um like uh in order to make that sort of programming less unwieldy they have had to do a lot of stuff that feels really bad like um automatic like type coercion without like so you don't actually call like oh like uh this you don't call it with like a map function like whatever data it just does implicit like data mapping like if something has a conversion method it'll just be converted under the under the covers in scala that sort of thing mm. so uh yeah i don't know it's easier in um object oriented languages because you have the uh, like the ioc container or you can just do it manually like build the class up um and just do constructor only um like dependency injection is like much easier yeah a lot of objects boil down to essentially functions, but like think about what the alternative is is like you have to pass either some sort of container to the object mm. or you have to or to to the function or you have to do like that really weird like build a service struct thing that you have to do in Golang because everything's so difficult in go yeah gotcha so. so you know how they talk about um open for extension and closed for what is it open for extension and closed open closed principle. Yeah, yeah, open yeah. Principle. I typically so, take that as just like uh, you shouldn't have to modify, you shouldn't have to change a file uh, unless something related to that uh, needs to be changed. Okay, here's the question. Yeah, this is what stuck. This is what stuck me. So, because the example I was watching a video and the example he was giving, he was saying, "Okay, well, I've written this class, and now I'm not allowed to change it." So then straight away in my mind, I'm like, "Well, what if you write the class wrong in the first time?" what, you can't change it anymore? You have to just extend the class? Uh, no, I don't think he means uh, like... So, okay, so one thing is that a lot of this stuff is designed to allow uh, uh, code that is of the scale of like a Google-based system, yep. right? So like you have a thousand developers all working on one, essentially uh, like a monolith. If you updated one of the like C, C, like C++ um, modules in, in Google, like you've <laughs> you've destroyed half their their applications so it <laughs> yeah. uh, wouldn't be a good idea but um yeah i mean the the interpretation of that is is uh, it varies i don't think the one where it's like oh you shouldn't like ever change the a class that you write applies i think yeah. it's just it's more so 
uh, only change of, and if you think of it less as a class as well, because that's object oriented, so it's less mm-hmm. applicable today. Um, just if you write a file, the only reason you should have to change a file is if that feature changes, like it, or sorry, not if that feature oh, changes, yeah. is the thing that it's responsible for. So remember mm-hmm. above we have single responsibility. So yeah. if we have a file and we are validating the inputs to a method, we're passing parameters around, we're calling the database, how, how many reasons would I have to, to update that file? Three or more, right? Just from that. Yeah. Uh, whereas if I had a file for each of those, let's say file instead of class, then the only reason why I would ever change those is uh, if something concerning that needs to be changed. Mm. So, yeah. And then um, I like I like the idea of, of from the outset trying to give everything one single responsibility because it makes you think about it more when you're writing your class or function or whatever you're writing, doesn't it? Well, yeah, uh, that's like, um, I don't know if you, you didn't really do any Ruby programming after we finished um, our, our bootcamp thing. So no, I went straight to you, JavaScript. You didn't Sinful. experience it, but um, Sandy Metz is a really great um, author that uh, I got to hear speak a few times at mm-hmm. RubyConf in Australia. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so essentially she has a book that talks about pretty much like focuses on, I think one of the core things that she focuses on is each class should do one very small thing. And, um, like her rule of thumb is like, uh, 30, 30 character or sorry, 30 line long classes, like that sort of thing. It's like half yep. a, half a screen or a full screen at most. Mm. Um, but what that does end up with is it means that you do have like, you know, five to 10 times more classes, which can be both more like in a way it's easier if you're familiar with what those classes are, but it's less it's not as easy if you aren't. So if it's a code base that you're in constantly, so if you were in like a microservices world and you were like flicking between services managed by different teams and like everything's a stomping ground, this would suck because like I really just need to know like where the parameters go in and like I need to read it on one screen. But if it's one code base and you're aware of what they all are, having everything into it, like you'd be surprised at how much you can reuse classes in a in a good way uh, if they're single responsibility. Mm-hmm. So. And um, what's the, I didn't get to the Liskov one. What's Liskov substitution principle? Um, It essentially is just like, don't, uh, this is less relevant because you shouldn't really be, the the better rule than the Liskov substitution principle is don't inherit more than once. Um, The most you should really be inheriting is directly from a library or uh, let's say that you had like a controller like a controller is a good um, like Railsy way to say it. Like you inherit from uh, applica- application controller base and then that's it. You never inherit from like, you don't do like, you don't have three different like class hierarchies for inheritance. The Liskov substitution in principle itself talks about uh, if I get a subclass of it, it should behave in, in, a, in the way that its parents do. Like it can only add functionality. But that rule... Uh, is somewhat unrealistic because, for example, like a subclass might throw uh, like at a different point of validation. And to people who are very like hard sticklers for this principle would say, no, that does violate the Liskov substitution principle because you can't just call that method within valid data or whatever, right? Mm. So uh, that's a tough one, but I would just I would just opt down of the that one. Just don't inherit more than once. Like if you have, for example, like... Uh, <clears throat> 
if you have like uh, two types of users, like a, an admin and like a uh, a member, maybe? a member maybe, then you yeah. could have like a base class for like. Uh, I don't know what you call them, like a person, and then both of those could inherit from that. But you would not do like super admin inherits from admin. When you go down that path, you're going to destroy yourself. Yeah, because there will more than likely be like an actual difference between an admin and super admin. That's not just that. Uh, it's more of just an interface difference than inheriting the behavior. Gotcha. So just leave the leave list of out. So that means we just get the soid. The soid principles. Well, let's let's just say instead of Liskov substitution principle, it's uh, limit inheritance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. The we limit inheritance, limit inheritance to, principle. We don't want to ruin the acronym, right? Yeah. And then, um, well, dependency inversion. You've spoken about heaps of times. What about interface segregation principle? What's that one? <sighs> um, that is. I'm putting uh, you on the spot here. I just like come up with this on the day today. But uh, it is Robert C. Martin. I'm looking at the at a thing here. Robert C. Uh, Uncle Bob. Yeah. Not Uncle Bob. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quite remember what the like uh, practical application of it is, but go for it. Clients clients should not be forced to depend upon interfaces they do not use. Like I/O reader and writer in Go, like. Uh, you might, instead of, like if you have like write data, instead of having the IO object, um, which implements both reader and writer, your function should say, just give me a uh, a writer, for example. So you accept only the subset. So they're not, they don't have to also be passed in the reader. But uh, does, any of, does any of this apply to React Lean? Yeah, of course, all of it does. The no. fact that people... Ask me that. It's the most worrying thing of all. Every time I talk to a front-end developer. Yeah, I mean, um, the principles definitely still apply, but the way that you implement them might not be the same. Like, uh, you should have small components. Uh, They should all do one thing. It's very open to interpretation. Like, what is one thing? Like, you can't tell me very easily what one thing is, I don't believe. Everyone has a different... Uh, this is one of the things people always say, like, oh, there's no, like, it's not objectively correct. But all of this is, like, uh, up to interpretation. So yep. single responsibility could be it makes only, it makes a single API call. Or it could be this object is responsible for making API calls to this service. Or it could be this AP, this uh, class is responsible for making all API calls. And all of those yeah. things are one thing, <laughs> right? Because it's such, <laughs> yeah. the language is so bad. So yeah. w- using the single responsibility principle, I can, I can, uh, I can like justify having a thousand methods or one on my class. So that's right. So it's up to experience. Like you just have to know what feels right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you have classes that are like, you know, a thousand methods long and they're not just all basically the same thing, then it, it might be sucky. And the, and your team as well, right? Like you said, if you're in a, a large company, and there's a lot of people who need to use it, you might want to build it in more of a way that it's easier for people to hop in and out of. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the stuff that, like a lot of design patterns and stuff did come about in a time where defensive programming was important. Like um, some of the abstractions that you had were actually there to prov- to make it so that it was actually possible like three years down the line for you to update something. Um Oh, right. in a massive monolithic code base. But most of the places that I've worked, 
just like code bases don't get to that scale anymore. Uh, one of the reasons why is because the code is so shitty and like it just gets rewritten. Like mm. instead of just learning uh, like better principles and building a better service in the first place, I feel like uh, we tend to lean on like just build it, get it out, and then we'll just rewrite it once it's like too fucked to keep going. So yeah, which is what I've seen many times. So maybe a lot of a lot of programmers would prefer to rewrite something themselves than go through and learn someone else's code base and then add to it. Yeah, but also most other people's code is shit. So I mean, that's objectively that's what everyone true. Everyone says, but right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Everyone says. I, I, I did say that as a joke. I, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> However, there are people whose code, like, yes, it's like confusing at first, but then I read it and I'm like, oh, this is actually very good. Like, I appreciate this. Like, it's very well designed. And then, like, I think we we can all experience that. Like, if you've like if you work in someone else's service, for example, like you know what the worst one is. I know what the worst services I've ever worked with are and what principles they, they broke. So When I was very early on, I was reading a code base once and I'm like, I don't understand why they've done this. It doesn't make sense. I'll just change it so it works properly now. So then I went through and changed it all. Yep. I got to the end and I'm like, oh, okay, now I see why they've done it like that. <laughs> I had to change it back. <laughs> well, there you go. You learned something. <laughs> Do you remember what it Sorry. was? I can't remember, but... I just remember from that day forward, I always gave the the previous person the benefit of the doubt. I didn't just uh, like hop in and clean things up. I would work out why they actually have that action, like that piece of code there, and work out and then does, and destroy then, it. And then I will destroy. That's it the correct. Time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You don't just go into it and be like, "This person's an idiot," unless you know for a fact they're an idiot from previous experience, which <laughs> I, I've seen as well. Actually, that's true too. Because then the next code base I got into, I didn't make the same mistake. I started reading the person's code and I thought, wow, this I'll is... give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. to see how it goes. And I just kept going and going. And then, and then I was like, actually, this person, some of their patterns aren't quite right. So then from, that, from then onwards, I knew like, yeah, you learn people's styles, don't you? It's like, yeah. well, the... you, you learn, it's like their personality, right? Yeah. You learn so much about someone from their code. I uh, I typically get put on um, like refactoring squads, like uh, like that sort of team that like goes yeah. through and is like responsible for fixing all of the trash that someone has left behind. So, I I'm I get very uh, familiar with Git blame. Like Git blame. Oh, this guy. All right. Well, we can just delete all this. This is all unnecessary. <laughs> it's never gone wrong for me actually. So, yeah. It depends on their reputation. Mm. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe they've. There's always new and more interesting ways to do things, right? Yeah. So, how's that IOC container? You you uh, are you confident no, with with IOC? No, I've no. seen you use it a lot. Yeah, I I can't write code without it anymore. Well, I can if I'm ready to go or something, but yeah. I've I've stopped using like auto wiring uh, IOC frameworks like uh, Wire in Go, but um, and I do just do the thing that I told you about, which is that um, like top level program struct. But anyway, uh, in TypeScript, we're using um, Syringe. Very happy with that. Yeah. Um, it's the easiest of the the IOC uh, containers to use, I think, because there's no extra fluff to it. There's one direct decorator. And then everything's auto-injected. Whereas, like, uh, there's another one that um, 
that I've used where you have to write a string key for everything. And uh, it's like, rel- it's full function. Like it, it's almost like one of Java's like bit, like uh, what's it called? Guava or Goose? Goose? I don't even know how to say it. Their IOC thing. But um, it's just like JavaScript and TypeScript, I don't think benefit from that level of uh, over-engineering, I think. But that's my opinion. Syringe is great though. Isn't there another one? That's, oh no! But you've got um, you've got your own uh, package designed, but that doesn't have any IOC stuff in it, does it? No, I think I'm thinking of Inversify JS. Yeah, so if I look at Inversify, like if I look at the number of features, one, two, three, four, five, there's probably about thirty features. Whereas if you go to the Syringe one, T S Y R I N G E, there's like five features. It's like we do constructor constructor per like injection that's it so mm. it's much lighter so uh i but i think like um nest uses inversify like a lot of these um new frameworks use inversify because they let you build like sort of more decoupled modules anyway but yeah well james um we just got a message in the customer success channel i might have to leave you oh really uh, all right. <laughs> well, great episode, <laughs> Frank. Go do customer support. <laughs> Sounds all like right, a lot of fun. Before we go, but is there anything else we need to discuss about Solid? Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, um, you know, uh, if it's not solid, then um, eat, eat your fiber. It's liquid. And if it's not liquid, it's gas. <laughs> no one likes gas. I don't like where this went. All right. <laughs> uh, goodbye. <laughs> There's the intro music. Thank you. Watch us on Twitter. Watch us on Discord. Yes, watch us on Twitter. We yes, post videos. Us. We live stream on Twitter. Follow our OnlyFans. Uh, OnlyFans.com slash James Apple. <laughs> Please, I need money. The startup, I just, I, I, I have to have some money soon. Uh, you know, I don't do anything too, too bad. Anyway, that was a joke. I actually don't know. Someone might already have my name in OnlyFans. I shouldn't say that. You better get it quickly. Yeah. You better, you better <laughs> Need to diversify body. my career opportunities. Once exactly. A... You don't want to be stuck as a programmer forever. Yeah, exactly. Defensive uh, programming. Defensive career. Yeah, yeah, defensive career. Yeah. yeah. You never know what path you might have to go down. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, you might, you might just decide it's a better path for you. Hey, whatever. Just I'll, I'll support you, whatever your decision is. I'm, I'm not going to do that. All right, goodbye. <laughs>